0: Okay, good morning everybody. Let's give it up for our worship team. They are oops, doing an amazing job. And uh, I, I, do, I wanna thank the, the, uh, the Mitchells for, for sharing a communion thoughts this morning. That was very, very encouraging. And our dear sister Leslie Peters, was that not a warm welcome? Thorough. Uh, it's great to be together this morning. And if, uh, you're visiting, uh, again, welcome to the garden state church. Um, you know, next Sunday is going to be an absolute blowout. This room is going to be filled to capacity. Uh, there won't be any kids. Uh, and the women are going to be engaged and inspired, and women are going to be seen and heard. Uh, I know that because unfortunately my wife and Desiree uh, Cooper are not here today because the enemy's trying to get them down, and uh, they're both sick. So, um, you know, we could keep them in in our prayers, and not just them. I I got like three other messages this morning. Man, my wife is coming down with flu-like symptoms, and I'm like, wow, God is getting ready to do something awesome. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's good to, uh, to, to know that. But uh, I want to ask you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. We're going to continue with this series that we've uh, been discussing about the first century church. And the characteristics of that church. And one of the, the, the main themes in verse 42, it says they devoted themselves. There was a inward motivation that moved this group of people that mind you did not know each other for very long and were brought together
1: uh, for a, uh, a, a festival, the day of Pentecost. And from that incident from that, that that um that celebration
0: god decided that this was the time and you know you read in acts one there was only a hundred and twenty disciples at the end of Jesus's ministry and um it was amazing when, when you read that um If you haven't read it in a while, I'd encourage you to read it, but I just want to kind of highlight some things real quick. You know, Jesus has died, and this group of 120 are there, and the Bible says he spoke to them for 40 days about the kingdom of God. You know, that's like two years of college if you stop. Think about it. Add up the times. We don't know if it was eight-hour days or 10-hour days. But 40 days, he spoke to this group.
1: And then they're remembering. He, he, he used to be dead. And now they're eating together. I'm sure there were some laughs. But for 40 days, he talked about the kingdom of God. And then that day came where he says, hey, guys, stay here.
0: You're going to receive power from on high and stay in Jerusalem.
1: I got to go. And all of a sudden, he starts to ascend up in the air. And they're all sitting there watching their Lord
0: ascend up to heaven. And then he gets to a point that they can't see him anymore. And these two angels come and say, hey, what are you
1: guys doing? What are you looking
0: at? And they're like, "Uh, I'm not sure. They go back, and the Bible says that they, they were constantly in prayer, and they were praying and praying and praying. And then, boom, God delivers. The Holy Spirit comes. And these guys are now speaking languages that they never studied that they never knew and the people from all over the world are saying whoa 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 what is
1: going on here he's speaking my language he's speaking my language I, they're galilean how do they
0: know mesopotamian how do they know parthians how do they know medes how do they know these languages well the spirit was working and then people said, no, nah, man, they're drunk. <laughs> they had a little too much last night. And Peter says, no, no, no. Let me explain this to you. And Peter goes on and he explains from the prophet Joel. And he, he takes the Old Testament and he says, hey, here's what's going on. God's kingdom is coming. And he steps up and he preaches the first sermon. And he talks about Jesus. And everybody is like, whoa, what in the world is going on here?
1: And they're convicted. And that group of 120 in one day saw 3,000 baptized. I say that because you got to just picture this. These disciples were
0: now entrusted with a mission from Jesus. They now had on their minds and on their hearts to
1: go to every nation of the world. They had to deal with thoughts from the past. Peter I failed him. I I denied him. The other guys, we deserted him. We left him. And now Jesus says, Hey, the baton is in your hand. And they felt
0: a responsibility that they never had uh, felt before. In fact, Judas was also now gone and they had to replace Judas. And I saw a pattern in the scriptures. You know, when things happen in, in, in the scriptures, it's, it's great to look and see patterns. Well, the pattern was, hey, we need to replace someone. And so they go to the scripture and they remember what the Psalms say and say, hey, you know what? We need to replace this one of leadership. And then they came together and they had some discussion and then they prayed. You know, when you make decisions, it's a great way to do it. Go to the scriptures. What does God say about this? Hey, let's talk about this. How we do it. And then let's pray before we decide to do whatever it is that we're going to do. Just a little side note. So they do that and
1: they choose him
0: and uh, Matthias. And and as I said, you know, Peter preaches that message 3000 added to that day and the church
1: begins. You know, every Christian should experience rich and meaningful relationships
0: when you are in Christ. That's what the first century church experienced. They came together and they experienced something that was amazing. What was the foundation of their success? What motivated them to create and sustain the kind of relationships that attracted
1: so many people
0: who want to be with
1: them? They devoted themselves. And what did they devote themselves to?
0: Well, last week we talked about to the apostles' teaching. Today we're going to get into prayer. But they were also devoted to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And I think it's so key that as we think about these things, that we remember our first century brothers and sisters. You know, this word devotion in the Webster Dictionary defines as the fact or state of being ardently dedicated and loyal. Ardent characterized by warmth of feeling typically expressed in eager, zealous support and or activity. I don't like that definition. I like definition two, fiery hot.
1: <laughs> These people were, addic- they were fiery hot for the word. They were fiery hot for prayer. And, you know, it's amazing as you think about it. But what was it all for? It was all about Jesus. Because they saw a dead man walking, talking. They saw a dead man come back to life and now
0: tell them, hey, here's what I have in store for you. See, the Bible is a collection of teachings of the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles with Jesus as the cornerstone. Acts 2 tells us uh, that the first century church was devoted to God's word. S- write this down, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. He says, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior Jesus commanded through the apostles. See, the apostles' teaching remind us what Jesus commanded. And one of his main commandments was to love one another. John 13, verse 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See,
1: God created us with relationships in mind. And he wanted the hallmark
0: trait of our relationships, to be love. You know, our natural state is to desire intimacy through relationships with God and relationships with one another. God taught us how to build relationships by sharing with us the details of his relationship with his people in the Old Testament and then through his son Jesus and the new testament see because the first century church was devoted first to god they became great relationship builders see we will become better at relationships when our focus is on imitating Jesus see Well, what was Jesus like? Remember Jesus? He loved the unlovable. He loved the uncontrollable, the immoral, the obstinate. Jesus was patient with the distracted and the critical. He reached out to the
1: notorious, and I'm not talking about the B.I.G. He wasn't around then. But what I love about Jesus is he wept over the loss. He wept over the loss.
0: See, Jesus commands that we love one another and exemplified this through his life as the standard for us to live up to. We will become better at relationships when our focus is on imitating how Jesus loved us, not on the flaws of the people uh, God has put in our lives. You know, sometimes we can be great at monitoring other people's
1: behavior and terrible at guarding our own hearts. At this time, our dear sister
0: Rebecca Gurus is going to come up and share about how God has helped her in her
1: devotion to prayer. So let's give her our attention.
2: Good morning, church, everyone can hear me. As Russ said, my name is Rebecca and I am part of the Awesome Edge Ministry here in New Jersey which is the amazing singles ministry as Leslie shared earlier. And I'm also a part of the Mission Possible Life team because the mission is possible. I was baptized here in New Jersey and I've always been part of this same ministry in Northern New Jersey. Although sometimes we move around, I haven't gotten anywhere, I've moved with it. So this is my home. So good morning, family. Today, I was asked to share my convictions about prayer. So let me say up front that prayer is actually not one of my strengths. So I'm going to confess that right off the bat. I'm not up here talking about, uh, like, I'm an expert or anything. I'm not here as an authority or anything or anything like that. It's actually one of my weaknesses. Uh, What I tend to do is I tend to read a lot, read the Bible a lot. I read books about the Bible, I research, and then I tend to be in my head a lot about things before I pray. And so when I see Jesus as example, when I see that he frequently withdrew to solitary places to spend time with with his father, I know that God wants me to have a life devoted to prayer. But as I said, it's been a weakness for me now. Just because it's not my strength, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't strive to be more like Jesus in this area. I believe I need to make every effort to grow in this area. And I shouldn't just say, well, that's just not me, right? I know that I can have victories through God, even though my prayer life doesn't look like Jesus is, exactly like Jesus is, but how could it, right? So again, I'm just sharing my testimony today, my testimony of how God, the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are empowering me to have a life devoted to prayer. And I hope that my testimony will give glory to God. Last week, Russ did, as he said, started our series on they devoted themselves from Acts 2.42. And if I were asked to share about how I devoted myself to the apostles teaching, I would have been so excited. (laughs) Yes, I can share about that. Right. But then I might've been tempted in my pride to come up here and talk about how I can do that right Um, as my strength. And I believe God wanted me to intentionally focus on coming up here and sharing from a point of weakness. My prayers to God tend to be short, cerebral in my head, factual. I can open up the Bible for hours, as I said, and listen to sermons online and lessons about the Bible online. But if I'm gonna be devoted to God's word, I need to make every effort to look at Jesus's life and look at what he did to have victories. And I've had victories. So let me share a few years ago, a lot of, you know, family, that my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And during that time, a lot was going on. A lot was going on in my family. A lot was going on in my life, health things were going on. And it was just overwhelming. The weight of the world was on my shoulders. And there's those times for me, I don't know if anyone can relate, when I open my mouth to pray and there are just no words. There were just no words at that time. And you see, being devoted to the apostles' teaching, being devoted to the word, helped me in those moments, because I had memorized prayers. There are prayers in the Bible. There are prayers in the Psalms. Our Lord and Savior taught us what we all know as the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. So when, when, there, when there are those times when there are just no words, God, I just go to one of those Psalms. Psalm 121 is one of my favorite. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let my foot slip. He who watches over me, I make it personal, will not slumber. He who watches over Israel will not slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over me. He is my shade in my right hand. The sun will not harm me by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep me from all harm. He will watch over my life. He will watch over my coming and going, both now and forevermore. And sometimes, church. That's all I can say. That's all I can say when I saw my mom wither away from cancer. That's the first thing that God has done to help me to have a life devoted to prayer. It's to give me his word. To give me his word. The other thing, church, is that he's given me people in my life who know me. They know I'm very in my head. They know that before I pray about something, I've thought about it, I've read about it, I've researched it, I've planned it, I wrote it down. They know me. These amazing sisters say, do you want to (laughs) pray? These amazing sisters say, let's pray. And there are times when I say, okay, you pray. You pray and I'll listen. (laughs) And maybe at the end of that amazing prayer, I'm able to say a few words or just pray in my spirit, pray in my heart. I know God is hearing me during those times. So having people in my life helps me. The, the people that God has put in my life help me to have a life devoted to prayer. And there've been victories in my life. There've been victories in this area. I look a little bit more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. And that's what it's about. A little bit more like Jesus tomorrow than today in my prayer life. And yes, there are times when I fall short. Of course, I can't live perfectly like Jesus or else I wouldn't need a savior. I need a savior because I can't do everything like him. The last thing, the most important thing, that God has helped me to have a life devoted through prayer is he's given his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the scripture says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us in accordance to God's will. So, again, that doesn't negate the fact that I should foster the environment in my life where the Spirit can work through, right? It doesn't negate that I shouldn't, uh, that I should uh, make every effort, but it's God, his Holy Spirit, that's working through me. Last year, I I broke my ankle, as a lot of you know. One Saturday night, I went to an event, got dressed up, hair, nails, you know, (laughs) makeup, jewelry, everything, having a great time. And in one second, my entire life changed. One little fall. And at midnight, I'm wheeled into the emergency room and some stranger is telling me he's going to put about 20 screws and a plate in my leg. I was traumatized. Now, if we've learned about trauma recently, we know that trauma is not just the event that happened or the magnitude of the event that happened, but the reaction, right? The result that happens in someone's life. So I was traumatized by this. So here I am you know, lying there alone, there's still COVID restrictions. So no one else can come into the emergency room. And I'm waiting all night for this to happen. All I can say is Holy Spirit, cry out to Lord, to the Lord for me, with the words that right now, I just can't muster up. And so I know that there are a lot more worse things that can happen in life. And I'm still working on, you know, working through recovery. So thank you all for the prayers. Thank you all for the prayers that you have raised up to the Lord for me. Thank you for all of the the calls, the texts, serving. People have come over and brought meals and done all types of errands and things that I needed to be done over the last few weeks and months. It's been absolutely amazing. The last thing I want to share is that I can be a perfectionist, right? I can be a perfectionist about many things in life, even in my prayer life. So sometimes, and I'm confessing a lot today, so you can pray for me, right? Even in my personal times with God, my sinful nature thinks I have to send up a perfect prayer to heaven. And I know that's not what God wants for me. I know that that's you know, not like Jesus. But that's my sinful nature, my perfectionism, right? And so in order to give glory to God, I have to come before him in my weakness, know that Holy Spirit intercedes, know that his power will allow me to be like Jesus more and more each day, and trust that he's put people in my life that remind me because they know me to be devoted to prayer. And I pray that God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit get the glory, that I can't come up here and share from anything but a point of weakness so that he can get the glory. So thank you, church, for listening this morning. I hope that encourages someone.
0: Wow. You know, it's, uh, it is good to, uh, to be reminded, um, you know, God gives us weaknesses for reasons. And uh, Rebecca, thank you for sharing vulnerably and, um, you know, just being a great example. Um, and, uh, you know, openness and, and, you know, I don't know why. Uh, We switched it up there, but now I think I understand. (laughs) You're awesome. I want to just kind of wrap this up here. And, um, you know, when we talk about being devoted to prayer, the first century church, it really was amazing. You know, I want to ask you to turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter three. And and I'm not going to kind of read, but kind of... Uh, cite a few things you know in that time in the first century in in um, the cities of, of the empire the roman empire the forum bell rang the beginning of the day at 6 a.m every morning and then it would ring again at 9 a.m and this ringing of the bell went along with their commerce and with how life kind of went. And they would ring this bell. And uh, and then it would ring at lunchtime at 12. And then, uh, you know, citizens, they would call back to work at 3 o'clock. It would ring again. And at the close of the day, the, the day's market would sound again at, at 6 o'clock. And so there's these ringing of the bells and every part of daily life in Roman culture eventually came in greater and lesser extent to be ordered by ringing of the forum bells. And this kind of included the Jewish prayer. And so here in Acts 3, we see Peter and John, what does it say? Going to the temple at a time of prayer. And when they were going there, they run into this beggar, and they end up healing him, and it created chaos. But it's like they begin to set up their lives in a way where there was this structured prayer time. Now, what's interesting is that we know from this story, it caused great persecution and they were brought in, they were threatened and, you know, and then something awesome happens. But if if you go to Acts chapter 10, okay, stay with me. We know that Peter was called, to go to this guy Cornelius's house, right? And Peter decides, because this wasn't in Jerusalem, it was in uh, Joppa, he goes to the roof. Why Peter going to the roof? And what time was it? It was about 12 o'clock. And so Peter's up there. He has this vision uh, filled with both clean and unclean animals, again, happening at noon on the rooftop because he was going to pray and the directive that Peter received during this devotional was God was saying to him except all as clean and Peter's like really and uh he, um, you know, kind of going back and forth and, no, I've never eaten this and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never do that. And, and, and yet Peter didn't realize what God was doing. It was at that moment, that, that, that prayer time, and then what happens right after that, God opens the door for the Gentiles. And what happened in Acts chapter two, when they begin to speak in tongues, happens at Cornelius's house. Those are the only two instances in the scriptures where you have these speaking in tongues uh, uh, situation where, you know, okay, what's going on? Well, God opened the door for the church. Now he's opening the door for the Gentiles to say, I want, all people from everywhere, not just Jews, but the, the, the point I'm trying to make, this was centered around prayer. This was centered around prayer time. Church, what would happen if we, as his people, were devoted to prayer? And I don't mean just having you know, prayer times. And again, I'm not sure where you're at this morning with what you're hearing about your prayer life and and you're thinking. But what I wanna encourage us to, to understand is if we want to experience the power that God displayed in the first century, and as Rebecca made that great point, the Holy Spirit, there was something unleashed because the Holy Spirit was involved. And I think, wow, how different would we be in the impact we would have if we were filled with the Holy Spirit and praying the way that they prayed. Turn to Acts chapter four. And I want to kind of wrap up. Here. Acts chapter four. Acts four. And in that same story, I was talking about where Peter and James are are arrested. They get released. Okay, my. You know, come on. Hold on. I'm not into perfection, so uh, no,
1: (laughs) things happen.
0: (laughs) Acts 4, now this, truth is I got an old um, iPad. It's like really, really slow. Acts 4. But let's read this together. In verse 23, we'll start there. Uh, No, let's go down to 32. That's a little long. All the believers agreed completely with each other. Now, I'm going to change that version so that most of us are reading NIV. All believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, uh, in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned houses sold them and brought them to the apostles' feet and and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone is who anyone who had need joseph a levite from cyprus whom the apostles called barnabas which means son of encouragement sold a field and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet now that's a great passage but that is not what i was looking for <laughs> I'm sorry. Verse 23. Bear with me. All right. Verse 23. And I'm not into perfection again. (laughs) On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Here we go. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. There we go. Sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by uh, the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples uh, plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant jesus whom you anointed they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen verse 29 now lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of our lord of our holy of your holy servant Jesus after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly
1: that is what devotion to prayer Looks like spirit filled
0: disciples crying out to their God. And
1: what does He do? He fills them with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you speak boldly, you're not quiet, you're not silent. You're not hesitant. You speak boldly because you've seen the one that's been resurrected from the dead. And you know he's coming back. Not only that, you've received a message. You've received salvation. You now have a hope that is real. And you are in God's kingdom. You know, sometimes we get really affected by what people
0: say outside church. you see what and how to respond to persecution? Go get with your friends, say a prayer
1: and speak boldly.
0: That's how you respond to persecution. Why? Well, because you know that Jesus said, well, that's going to come along with the life. You're not surprised. But let me ask you a question this
1: morning, church. Are you devoted to prayer? If not, what are you devoted to? Think about it. What are you devoted to? Let me ask it another way. What occupies your mind and
0: your heart? What is really going on inside? What is it that you really, 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 really want? And those things
1: are not bad in and of themselves, but devoted, fiery, hot. Why? Because I want to be like Jesus. See, I want to share something real quick. You see that picture right there? Yesterday, the
0: teens had an event at Rockaway Lanes. And uh, something happened. You know, Sari wasn't feeling well, so we kind of had changed our plans. I said, you know what, I'm going to go. Hang out with the teams, see some bowling. I did have my bowling bag and my bowling shoes in the car, and I said, Yeah, you know what? I'm not bowling, I'm just going to go and encourage. But you know, in Acts 2, there is a promise that God makes He says, This promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And you know, I thought, I know I pray. I pray for my kids, I, I pray for the kingdom kids, but I thought what would be cool is, what if we started to
1: pray specifically for our kids? And I don't know how we create it, you know, it's a Zoom call, what have you, but it's it's happening. It's in
0: our, it's, it's, it's going up. The names are going up, you know? And I thought, man, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna create a prayer time, a Zoom prayer time to pray for our kids. And not just the ones baptized. And keep praying for those that are not, but especially for those that are and those to come. But God says this promises for you and your and your children for all who are far
1: off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You know, it's clear that. Praying for people moves
0: God's heart, and it moves our heart. And you know what it also does? It
1: endears us to people. You know, it's not surprising that the first century church
0: was was, was known for its devotion to prayer. But it was also known for its being family. And having relationships that attracted people that said, I want to be a part of that. Devotion to prayer is what's going to keep our heart's hearts relationship focused. Let me just say this. Sometimes we talk
1: about people and don't pray for them. We need to talk to people.
0: Pray for people, but don't talk about them if you're not going to talk to them. Now, if you want to talk to them, you can say whatever you want. Let's pray for each other. And just as it, as it happened for the early disciples, prayer will fuel our passion to live and to pursue God's purpose. And if we are all filled with his spirit and praying Because we realize what God's given us to do in taking the gospel to northern New Jersey. Lord, help us. And he will. But we've got to decide that we're going to
1: be devoted to our God in prayer. Amen? Amen.